What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee Shop Football. I'm your host, Zach, chilling here tonight with my co-host, Kevin, again. How you doing, Kev? What's up, Mr. Zach? Hey, man, any day we get to talk football is a good day. You already know uh, one of our teams is still around, so uh, that's cool for that person. I I won't say any names. I don't want to hurt any feelings, Um, but it's going to be a really, really exciting week of divisional and playoff football. I'm ready for the freaking doors to be blown off the NFL this this week. I think every single game has the potential to be like insane. So this is going to be a really fun weekend, I think. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And and you know me, like like we've talked about before. I do enjoy the Vikings, but I enjoy the NFL more than I am a Vikings fan. So while I am bummed that they once again got knocked out of the playoffs right away, I'm I care more about just I just really love football. So I'm just as stoked as you are to go see these NFL these playoff games. Absolutely, man. And I think you have to be proud of the direction that the Vikings organization is heading in. Um they might have a quarterback issue at some point in the not so distant future, but I don't think that's today. Um, no. and, and they fired their defensive coordinator today. Great decision. Great news. Yeah. Given, yeah, you got awful. I, yeah, I will never forget uh, watching that game with you and just how frequently you would be like, Hey, this guy's got 10 yards of separation before the snap. I wonder if they're going to target him real quick. And then ever without fail, like, it was almost like to watch you should interview for that job because i think you you saw what the giants were going to do before they did it and that guy had no i can't do a worse job that's that's true i'll give you that could possibly be doing that but i'm not sure i'm a defensive coordinator level quite yet maybe not yet i get a couple years couple years couple days down the road though yeah i'll be knocking on some doors that's what i'm talking about I'm excited to get in it today. We're going to do our first like real dynasty content of the season, which I love dynasty football. And I've had this internal debate between myself, which if I like redraft or dynasty more, but I do find myself once the season starts, I care a little bit more about redraft, but I love that dynasty lets me trade more in the off season. Just do some more off season stuff. It just gives you so much skin in the game for such a long extended period of time. It's impossible not to appreciate dynasty for that. It gives you, it gives you fantasy stakes year round. It doesn't get better than that. Not to mention like you grow like a bond with your fantasy, like your dynasty players. Like you love a player that wins your redraft title. You love a player that wins you a couple of dynasty titles. And I can't even begin to touch on that because I decided to make my favorite real life players my dynasty players and which is smart yeah you should it, definitely do it, that. that's what it felt like and they gave me the greatest joy of all by bringing me a championship this year so yeah that's a bond that will be further cemented by my dynasty love for these players so um i'm very excited for the yeah to dive into some dynasty content dynasty fantasy football for those of you who don't know if you're listening to our podcast you probably know but for those of you who don't know it's Fantasy football with a roster, you do one draft for one roster, and then that is your roster permanently. There's turnover as far as free agency, waiver wires, um, trades. But the big thing is every year there's a rookie draft where all of the incoming NFL rookies are in a draft pool, and then they go through the the dynasty teams and you pick them like how the pros do it. And uh, it brings a level of immersion and a level of year roundedness to fantasy football that you can't duplicate anywhere else. I would say. Yeah. It's, it's probably the closest thing to like feeling like you're running an NFL team. Yeah. That and Madden, but well, we, yeah, don't, we don't have that, to go there. Madden, yeah. not, not, not this year, man. Come on, Madden do better. 
They won't. It's for a future um, podcast. Madden do better. We're going to talk they about that not. down the road. They've had so many opportunities. They won't do better. Um, they've made that clear. <laughs> but it is a lot of fun. I do love it. Yeah, Dynasty football is great. You, you kind of get a little more engagement. With, like if you want to make trades in the offseason or you want mm-hmm. you like, like certain players, you kind of want to like – with like redraft, there might be certain players where you're like, oh, I think he's going to be really good next year but not this year. Like you can buy in a little early with Dynasty, and I think that's a lot of fun. Um, and that's going to lead our first tip of the day is actually, we're going to give you guys some dynasty startup tips. Um, we're not quite in startup season. Usually people start doing dynasty startups after the regular season is over after the super bowl hype, all that jazz, Mm -hmm. but you never know. Some people are doing startups now getting into it. So if you're looking to get involved in dynasty or are, are doing another startup and you want some tips and tricks, we're going to give you some of ours today. Um, do you want to start off or do you want me to go ahead and I would actually love to start hand. off because I kind of sort of spoiled my uh tip a little bit earlier have, yeah, just because we were just kind of in the flow of the of the intro I kind of got a little carried away but my greatest dynasty startup tip is to pick players that you love to watch because chances are you'll be watching them for a long time um for me it's a lot easier because I am a diehard Bills fan, so for me, picking my favorite players meant picking players that I'd be watching every Sunday, which meant picking Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs in the first and second round, which at the time was crazy because, oh, you don't take a quarterback that high. Oh, you know, Diggs is 28, you know, da-da-da. Like, I think he might have been 27 at the time. But I'm sitting here with one championship ring later, having been able to watch my two best players every single week for the past couple of years. And I'm telling you, it's a blessing. I can't, I can't duplicate. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm fully behind you with that tip. I, I, I find myself like every once in a while, I'll like, I'll like try and draft like talent instead of like, I don't love this player personally, or like, I yeah, don't think tough. he's that good, but everybody yeah. else thinks he's really good. So I'll just, I'll, I'll bite the bullet. I'll take it. I regret it like every time because I'm like, I don't even really like this player. I don't want him on my team. He's not doing what I want. Like, you just find yourself like looking to trade away a player then. I think that's a lot more common for me in redraft, I find, because you have all that uh, retread. You have all the all the recycled narratives, and ADP mm-hmm. becomes this crazy thing. What's really cool about Dynasty Startups is, yes, ADP matters for that startup, but the rules are different, and they're out the window very fast. Things will, things will go oh, off yeah. the rails very fast. Your, your uh, league will have a random run on a certain position, Injured players get forgotten about. Old players get left for dead. And so those are your chances. You listen to Coffee Shop Football, so you know real football. You know how to maximize your chances at, at success because you're listening to this podcast. So you know that old players do not need to be left for dead. Maybe they, when they get that dip, you buy the dip. You buy the age dip in a dynasty startup. So long as your core has some youth to it, or so long as there's enough value that you think you could scrape a couple years out of those older guys, because if they have a great season for you and then you can trade them, you're winning twice. You're capitalizing on that asset twice. So that's another startup tip is uh, buy the age dip, um, buy the the injury dip. Uh, Zach and I both actually talked about, I was in a redraft two years ago, right after the news broke of ETN's Liz Frank, and I got ETN on the cheap 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 like disgustingly he was forgotten about i had to search his name in the draft queue cheap yeah so keep keep your eyes and ears on that stuff if you get into a dynasty startup and with with any of these tips too like 
an important one for me is like know your league, know who you're playing with. If you're in like a super competitive dynasty league, like some tips will won't ring as true for you as like other leagues. Like if you're in a little home dynasty league, like know if you're in with a bunch of Bills fans because you know they're going to go a little higher than other players. Or if yeah. you're in a league that's like, if you're obviously in a super flex league, like you got to yeah. value some players different, but like know the people you're playing with, you know, you got to know if like, okay, I'm in a league that won't buy the injury dip that will just like ditch a player. I know I can get him a couple rounds later. Or if you're in a super competitive league, it's like, when is the right time? Like when is the right time to take a Keenan Allen? Who's like 30 probably still has two more mm-hmm. years on him. Mm-hmm. Cause in your home league, Keenan Allen might go too high because people just know the name. But in like a competitive league, sometimes people ditch them. They're like, oh no, 30 is just too much. And I think my most prominent dynasty tip, the one I've I've kind of lived by in my dynasty leagues, is I usually play with about a three to four year window for a player. Um, other than quarterback. Quarterback, I'm willing to stretch a little bit and then maybe some wide receivers. Like maybe a Justin Jefferson, I'll I'll look past a four year window, but even that, it's it's tough to like. The NFL moves so fast, so quickly, right. like things just change that it's like two years you might be like this is the running back one, and then two years later it's like oh yeah he doesn't even fucking matter like no one has Todd Gurley anymore and like yeah. four years ago he was the dynasty RB one. It's it's tough. So like I I advise people not to like. Someone would be like, oh, you know, like 27, 28, like they're aging out. And I'm like, Devontae Adams is 31. Like people said that three years ago, and he's had yeah. top five seasons every year. Yeah, like, I, I, I think it's so, it. it's so important to have perspective in a dynasty. Um, part of it is like, know your championship window. You'll find out quickly whether or not you're going to contend. And I don't think tanking, I'm not saying tank, but if you aren't a contender, don't hold on to a 28 or 29 year old running back on an expiring contract, throw that away because there's going to be a team that wants to overpay for that. And I've seen it time and time again, this is more of a general dynasty tip. We've talked about this uh, a while back and I'm happy to reiterate all fantasy, but especially dynasty make trades, freaking make trades. It's so fun. And it's such a great way to maximize the value of your team and maximize like for me i'm in a, i was in a championship window i knew it I, I went out i was a buyer and i traded some valuable pieces for some valuable pieces and it, it's fun it's like it's you're so you're at the casino table and you see big pile of chips moving around it like and and you're saying i'm all in you and and don't be afraid to do that you know if, especially if you know you have a great record and you're a piece or two away you have one position that's underperforming go out and get the guy like that's important to me for all dynasty yeah there'll be sometimes that you may think you're not a contender and then halfway through the season you realize like you didn't have a QB two, but now you have Geno Smith. Who's a great QB two. Right. And you might be contending and they're like, okay, well I had all these players I was planning on like keeping around, but like maybe now I'm two pieces away from a title run. Like you should always make the title run if you have the opportunity because it's the whole point of playing like everybody. I feel like I think too many players can get stuck in the, the rebuild. They're like, yeah. Oh, my team's kind of iffy. I'll just rebuild. And then like every year you're like, well, like, let me make sure I get some young players. Cause I'm in a rebuild, but like, you need to end that. Like, yeah, it, I don't, in most leagues, like you really don't even want to be rebuilding longer than like two a year. Years. Yeah. A two, year, maybe two max. And it's like a couple players can change your whole team, like draft. Well, trade. Well, 
yeah. and you're good. The time is now, always in Dynasty. I mean, it's it might not be literally, and at that point, shift your focus, shift your attention. Yeah. But you should be the, looking at next year. Exactly, and and I remember after our Dynasty startup, there was one team they had a great record the, the first year, and I thought they were one of the best teams in the league. They had James Robinson on the Jags. They had Najee Harris. They had uh, Damian Harris, and everybody was like, "That team is so scary." They had Kyler Murray, you know, uh, and that dude went three and ten this year, or th- three and yeah, you, twelve. You never this year. know when the floor is going to fall out, so just and, always go for it. And I, he had Cooper Cup, and I harassed him every day. I was like, "Trade me Cooper Cup. You're, you're, you're three and five, bro. Trade me Cooper Cup. You're three and seven, bro. Trade me Cooper Cup." And he didn't. And he eventually, find, like, I think it was like maybe right before the trade deadline, he finally shipped Cup. And I'm excited to see what he does with his team. Mr. Marcelo, if you're listening, I respect that you finally traded Cooper Cup. And you should probably be grateful after what happened with the Rams. Um, yeah. But those are the kinds of – yeah, exactly. Those are the kinds of dynasty uh, decisions that I think you have to make. So those, those are, I would say, I think that's a great place to leave our first sip of the dynasty drip edition of Coffee Shop Football. What do you think? You like that title? Yeah, that's great. I'm going. I'm gonna sing. Yeah, I think that's a good ending. Just yeah. some like small little tips and trips if you're getting into Dynasty. Like, definitely don't overwhelm it. Think it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but we are gonna stick around with some Dynasty stuff, and we're gonna do some Dynasty buy and sells for our Dynasty drip episode. Love it. So we're gonna go in just to give a couple players some discourse, some maybe back and forth. We may not agree on the takes we have on these players. Neither. So we filled this doc out. Which is a couple of names, but neither of us said what we're doing with the names. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to see how the other people treats the respective lists, and I definitely think we'll differ, but I definitely think we'll feel similarly on on some of them. Um, I would What's propose that. Would you like to go? I think we should go. You do one, I do one. You down for that? Yeah, I agree. We'll go through the time. Sweet. We do one, I do one. I'll let's start off with one that I think you we might agree on. Yeah. Um, so we'll stick with one. I'll do one of mine. I'll start off there. Yeah. I'll start with a third. Start off easy. There you go. Sure. Um, a, a buy I have for this offseason is Trey McBride of the okay. Arizona Cardinals. He's someone I'm very interested in. He was the best rookie rookie tight end in the class last year. Um, got upstaged by Greg Dolchich and, you know, like sometimes Jelani Woods. There was a lot of like rookie tight ends that made a little bit more splash. Kate Otten. Like, Kate Otten. But McBride was sitting behind Zach Ertz for most of the season until mm-hmm. the end. And rookie tight ends in general just don't do a lot. But I really, really like Trey McBride. I think still he was the best prospect in that class. He was a beast at CSU. He was really the only pro level crazy like first round talent at CSU. So he really got to shine out there. And he actually played a lot this season, but primarily as a blocker. And he did really good as a blocker. And that's you you kind of want to see that because you want someone who's going to be on the field all the time. But he also did catch some passes. So near the end of the year, he started heating up a little bit. Um, and yes, uh, his biggest game came in week 18, which is a little unfortunate because you never know what kind of talent you're playing with. But the Arizona, the Cardinals season kind of went down the drain at the end of the year. So no one was really paying that much attention. But he did drop a couple nice games in a row. And I just see a really good chance for him to have a solid role next year. Um, Kingsbury's gone, which means they'll probably go back to a more traditional offense with 
a little bit more tight end play rather than just like four wide receiver spreads. And he's incredibly athletic. Ertz is coming off of a really big injury, so he may not be ready for next year. And he was kind of getting a little older. It's looking like the team is ready to trade DeAndre Hopkins away, which means I think they're kind of ready to move on from him, go to a Marquise Brown, probably add some other wide receivers. But that leaves a huge role in the offense for a receiver. And I think there was a lot of hype coming into the year for McBride, and it kind of settled and died. And there's some other people that are more interesting right now because it's kind of murky in Arizona without mm-hmm. like who's going to be the head coach. Not a lot of good vibes around Kyler, the big Kyler injury. Yeah. McBride doesn't need all of that to be a viable tight end because there's the bar is so low. Mm-hmm. So you could sneak your way into like a viable tight end that has really big upside, could be the second best pass catcher on his team next year, and will get Kyler Murray back and hopefully a fucking competent offensive head coach who can actually call some good plays. Yeah. And you could walk yourself into like a lot of people saw him as being up of top five tight end upside. And you could get that right now for probably the cheapest you're ever going to get it if he hits. Yeah. I absolutely love the call on buying McBride. Um, yeah. The, the murkiness is very real that you're describing. And yeah. that in Dynasty is something that you have to capitalize on because right. somebody has to emerge from the rubble. Somebody is going to have to buy into the rubble. Exactly. You have to be the one who's brave enough to take the shot. And you're betting on talent with McBride, which I think is a sound formula. You're betting on talent. You're betting on youth. That's a two pack in dynasty that is known to hit. Um, Opportunity is the third big one. I think that's the three pack in dynasty that you look for talent, youth opportunity. If you find all three, don't think about it, buy it. You know, it's, it's like when you find a, an Adidas hoodie at uh, Goodwill, you know, and it's, it's fresh and it's in good condition. You don't think about it. You buy it. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of similar when it comes to the, the, that three pack, but two out of the three ain't bad. And the opportunity will probably still be, it's in flux right now. I think he's going to walk into it to be honest with you, because it's safe to say, yeah, the earth's injury um, provides a lot of uncertainty surrounding the tight end position in Arizona. So I, I, I like, I like where your head's at. With that, and I think we're on the same page with McBride. I think that's that's an easy buy. All right, hit me with yours. All right, well, if we're starting, if you want to start with tight ends, um, then I have a tight end as well. And actually, you know what's fun? I'm going to do it the other way. I'm going to give you mine, and I'm going to see what you have to say first, and then I'll tell you what I think about it. Um, okay. Just to see how that, that. How, see how that tastes in your in your cup. Let's do a little Evan Ingram. What are your thoughts on Evan Ingram buy sell? I I struggle with this one at the moment, specifically only because of his contract details. Mm-hmm. So Evan Ingram was signed on a one-year contract in Jacksonville this year, kind of low budget. Tough. And he's not on contract for the next season. So if he's mm-hmm. going to stay in Jacksonville, which is where I would like him to be. I agree. They have to sign him. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little torn here because I do think Evan Ingram has shown some flashes before yeah. and had a, like a really good season and a really good end of season. Mm-hmm. But I do think Doug Peterson is, has a great offense for the tight end. He has like a thriving tight end role, mm-hmm. always has, back mm-hmm. in Philadelphia as well. And so I want him to be there. Yeah. If he is there, I'm all in. Yeah, like he's it. a massive I mean, buy. Like he's only 28. 
which mm-hmm. for a tight end, still fine. You've probably got another three, four years. He's yeah. a little bit more athletically inclined than most tight most tight ends are. So maybe a little less than that. I don't know. But if he stays in Jacksonville, I love the connection with Trevor Lawrence. I like the offense. He'll probably have to compete with a little more target shares than he did this year once Ridley comes back into the offense. But I don't think that's a big deal. I think they'll draft another tight end. This offense still has room to improve, too. Yeah, He can still get more touchdowns than he did this last year, which seemed to just be non-existent for him. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a good buy. I think he should slot in as a top 12 tight end. Um, I, I think for me, which might be a little bit bolder for some people, I prefer him to Dalton Schultz for mm. the Cowboys because I think they do let him walk. And he that's a good line. Agency. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. yeah. So he's sitting there right at 11, 12 for me. I'm not putting him above Waller and Joku, Fryermuth, that category. Ooh. But I think he sits right there for me. So I'm yeah. buying him as like a, a late tight end one that you can get weekly production of. If you're in tight end premium, maybe a little bit higher because he gets a lot of receptions. But that's how I feel. I'm I'm happy to buy him. You are taking a risk buying him right now right? before contract stuff. But if you buy him now on the cheaper and he hits that contract, you're golden. Absolutely. And I think the only place that he has to go for the rest of this season is up, given that there's still a couple potential playoff games for Jacksonville. If they, if they have any sort of luck against the Chiefs and they can string together a little bit of a, of a run here, I don't, I don't particularly foresee it. I wouldn't predict it. But say he has a good game against Kansas City, that's two big playoff games. You know, he definitely did some some work against the Chargers. Um, so yeah, I, I like your analysis. I think the contract is is a little murky, and it would be safer if he was for sure going to return to Jacksonville, because how often? And this is a pet peeve of mine, Zach. So I'm glad we get to talk about it. How often do freak athlete, outstanding stud tight ends sign big contracts in places that weren't their original home, and then become completely discarded like freaking toys under the bed that nobody cares about i'm talking jono smith i'm talking hunter henry that's a two-pack for you freaking belichick with that you know guys getting those big deals and then there's a lot of hype with like gerald everett everywhere he goes to literally he's hit a bit this year but like he has his special he has his moments yeah he's not consistent enough but it happens all the time you know the seahawks i'll never forget colby fleener that's that's the big one. I know that's a deep cut, but who was I, the 49ers tight end that not was Vernon hot Davis. for a bit? No, no, no. Right in between Davis and Kittle. He was also a Steelers tight end, too. Mm, not remembering. It's not gonna oh, sound man, this is gonna kill me. Think yeah, think about it. See if you can look it up while I just solidify my point. Evan Ingram is a great buy in Dynasty because of the chance that he stays in Jacksonville and becomes a true top six tight end. I might have put him in the middle, if not at the top of that tier you were talking about. I'm so afraid of Waller, bro. Don't get me wrong. If uh, Vegas gets a competent quarterback, that would be cool. Not not to disrespect Derek Carr. He's he's competent was the wrong word. I'll say an upgrade at quarterback. Then that would be huge for Waller, but also his health and his age. I know he's got the contract, but his health and his age have been, oof, those are not not great for his dynasty prospects. So I'll 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 put Evan Ingram in that conversation, and then hopefully by you know the end of next season or once he signs that deal in Jacksonville, he can move to the top of that tier. I don't mind putting him near Waller, um, just because like with Adams there, he definitely did take a step back in terms of target share. 
he had a great connection with Derek Carr, but we don't know what that's going to look like moving forward with a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the tight end I was thinking of was Vance McDonald. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a flash in the pan. He was huge. Everybody thought he was going to have a massive season. Yeah, yeah. Never happened. I remember that. Uh, Ladarius Green, too, for the Steelers. That was those a kinds of Those yeah. kinds of guys, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind putting him up. I think he might be a little lower for me than you just because I do have concerns with – the contract issues it's reasonable target share with yeah. Ridley coming there that's and true if they bring in another piece but i get it i think he's a buy too i i do have him on a dynasty team and i i like it i don't we're in unison so far zach that's what we love to see there's harm peace and harmony on coffee shop football today well let's see if it continues why don't, don't you give me your worry. second name no. i know no, I don't. why don't you give um, me your second name so my second name is a wide receiver oh here we go and I'm going to go with T. Higgins from the Bengals, who we should get to see some football from this weekend. Oh, yeah. And I do think you might disagree with me on this one because I think he's a dynasty sell. Yeah. I'm excited to hear why. Okay, so I I think historically, I don't know if this take has ever been recorded on anything from reception perception. I don't actually think T. Higgins is a wide receiver one. I think he's great. I think he well outperformed his draft stock. I think he was way too underrated. And I, I love him with the Bengals. And I think he's a great wide receiver. Like that's where I don't want this to get taken. Is like I think T. Higgins is a fantastic wide receiver. And I think he very well could be a wide receiver one if he was on a different team. But he's competing with Jamar Chase. And that means something to me. We got to see a good split this year when he didn't have Jamar Chase. He was putting up some good games, nine receptions, 124 yards, nine receptions, 148 yards. But once Jamar Chase came back, it kind of took a hit. He did have another big game with Chase involved, and he will have those big games even when Chase is there. But to have him where consensus has him at, wide receiver seven in Dynasty, one spot behind Stephon Diggs, that's too rich for my blood. And his rookie season... Fantastic way outperformed. He was the wide receiver 28 in half PPR or in PPR. Um, his sophomore year, wide receiver 24, wide receiver 17 in standard, and then this year, wide receiver 18, wide receiver 17 in standard. That's not a single top 12 wide receiver season. And he's had some injury history, but not enough to really be like, oh, that's why he didn't finish as wide receiver one. He's missed a game here and there. But he hasn't finished as a wide receiver one because he doesn't put up the numbers of a wide receiver one. And right now on Fantasy Pros, he's sitting at wide receiver seven, which is above Amon Ra, Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf, Garrett Wilson, Adams, Cup, Olave, Drake London. I would take each and every single one of those names over him in Dynasty, in my personal opinion. Yeah, there's nothing flagrant about your argument um, that I've heard thus far. Um, I'm going to paint a little picture here for you, okay? You and the lady, you're out on the town, right? You're taking flicks, right? She's like, I got to get something for the gram. You're taking flicks, right? Which I'm bad at, by the way. Oh, that's a whole other thing. But I I show her the phone. I'm like, check it out. What do you think? And she's like, oh, well, hold the phone here, and you'll see what I see. Or you'll you'll hit the right angle. Mm -hmm. I think you're holding the phone in the wrong place for the T Higgins debate. I'm going to shift your phone a little bit to the left. I'm going to hit, let the light hit her face a little bit more. And we're going to see the, the picture is going to be illuminated. 
as a wide receiver seven, T. Higgins is a sell every day of the week. There is no way that a second receiver on a team, unless it's maybe Jalen Waddle on his best day, can possibly be a top seven wide receiver. So right. I respect what you where like what you said for where you were coming from. I'm gonna change the the conversation and I think you're gonna agree with me. But he is technically a wide receiver two in the NFL. And he was technically a wide receiver two, two out of his three seasons in fantasy. Three out of three, actually. I think 28 would classify as a a wide receiver two. No, because isn't it top 12? Oh, yeah, yeah. He hasn't finished higher than a wide receiver two. Which is what I mean. Which which we'll say for the better, for, you know, for, you know, 66% of his seasons, not including his rookie year, he's a wide receiver two. So if he, if you have T Higgins and he's your wide receiver one, you should sell. You should try to turn him into a, a wide piece, receiver one, a younger wide receiver who has the potential to grow, like a Garrett Wilson or a Chris Olave. You might be able to pull that off. You might be able to pull a T Higgins for for Garrett. I mean, I don't know. It, it it's gonna I don't be, know if you could. I mean, based off of consensus, you could. Yeah, but that may not mean as much. The owners have their feelings, you know. I uh, I gave away Garrett Wilson for a bag of peanuts earlier, so. And um, got T Higgins for him. I was so afraid. <laughs> I was so afraid of the of the Zach Wilson thing, but but Garrett Wilson, uh, he's not quarterback proof. We know that, but the Jets might be Zach Wilson proof, which is huge. So uh, that's a whole other conversation. But sh- shift your perspective a little bit on T Higgins, Zach, because I I don't disagree with you at all that he's not a top seven wide receiver. I I think that's insane. With all due respect, uh, I think. To a much smaller degree, you could say his hype got out of control the same way that Gabe Davis's did, but Gabe yeah. Davis's was a little bit more egregious given what the reality was versus what the expectation was. T. Higgins' right. reality was a little different from his expectation, but he's still a fantastic real-life wide receiver. He, that mm-hmm. frame is just crazy, and he's yeah, got yeah, he's pretty good hands. Great, he's made some horrible drops. You know that's definitely going to be something that he needs to clean up. Um, we can't see that next year. Like if, if he wants to take the next step, this is his fourth year and he was a second round pick, correct? I think he was the third, either so second or third. Either way, pick, there's yeah. no, there's no fifth year option. So he's either going to resign in Cincinnati, which would be huge for his value long-term or he won't. And then you got a bag. Of, he, he you got, not. you got what's behind door number one at that point, which is yeah. it, it could be something great or it could be, it could be a boat, you know? So, that's my T Higgins thought. I'm glad we were able to uh, dissect that a little bit. Um, but I will come at you with another name now. I will come at you with an, uh, your, you gave me your wide before receiver. Before we move on, quick, sure. I do have one to put with you because Absolutely. We, we, this has come up before. And this one, I think you'll also disagree with, but what is fantasy football wise, the difference to you between T Higgins and Terry McLaurin? Considering this year, <clears throat> Terry McLaurin ended the season as the wide receiver 14, which is the highest he has done. But in terms of fantasy finishes for the last three years, he has outscored or performed the same as T Higgins all three years with a far worse quarterback all three years. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because we don't disagree on Terry McLaurin. I also love Terry McLaurin, but that being said, Terry McLaurin is hamstringed as much as any player I can imagine, not only by his quarterback, but by his organization. And yeah. I, I think the commanders are, they're just a tough, when you see that little name next to that little position, 
and it says Washington, it's just a little tougher. It's a little bit of a tougher swallow for me. So what I'm saying ask. is we have the best case scenario for T Higgins as long as, well, with Jamar Chase there, let's say like this is Jamar Chase healthy. Yeah. And he has been outscored by Terry McLaurin in his best case scenario. Terry yeah. McLaurin has outscored him in every single of the last three seasons. I think what, what I look at it in terms of differences here, and I think this is something philosophically that we've, I think we've, we haven't really gone too much into it in the, on the pod, but I'm excited to. I think with all due respect to McLaurin and with all due respect to what he can do weekly, I think T Higgins weekly upside is just higher. Given well, that. What if Washington fixes the quarterback position? Then it's a totally different conversation, but that's, that's has to happen. And so what I what I'm saying right now is they're on equal levels without Washington fixing that. So if they fix it, Terry McLaurin will easily outscore him. I think the boom for T. Higgins is higher. But we haven't seen it. Because because Terry McLaurin has boomed. He's had two touchdown, 140 yard games. But if he had a real quarterback, you don't think he could do that more consistency, more targets, more touchdowns for his team. Yeah, I, I think, think I think I think no question is yeah. higher than T Higgins ceiling on the angle. If you told me right now to pick uh, nine times out of 10, who will have a higher weekly finish with, with given the current positions, I'm taking T Higgins just strictly based on the, the likelihood of, of passing volume and targets from Joe Shiesty. It's just safer to me. And I don't I haven't done it historically. Yeah. But, but it's, you ha- you got to play the odds here, Zach, you got to play the odds. And, and that's, that's a hill I'll die on. I, I, I really like great quarterback play for my I fantasy do too. wide receivers. I, I just think the gap between them is too far. You're completely right. I, I'm I'm not at all – I'm not going to argue against Terry McLaurin's talent and against Terry McLaurin's potential. But I want to sit T. Higgins right next to Devontae Smith for me. That's respectable. I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. And, and now we have – and now we have a nice little uh, wide receiver two party that they're both invited to. And we're going to get hate come. for this. Why? People love T. Higgins. Him being People a top will 12 go wide to bat for him as a him wide receiver. Him being a one. top 12 wide receiver in fantasy is – the proof is in the pudding, Zach. They can he go to bat all it. they want. They I can know. go to bat all they want. Three years. But, I'm but glad like we I agree. said, we shift the I angle. thought we'd agree less. We shift the angle. We get a ring light on them, and boom, the angle is perfect. We have exactly the the photos that our girl wants, and now we're getting we're getting photo credits on the gram, and it's all good. But but it you got to shift the angle. The, the the wire receiver one conversation is no bueno for me. I, I'm not participating in that. Um, all right, all right. I, I can't do it. Move on. We'll get <laughs> off the T Higgins banter. Yeah, right. I hey, we could do it all day. It is what it is. Um, I want to bring up a name of a player that I loved coming into the NFL, and I was moderately happy with his destination, and I've been underwhelmed for two years, and now the conversation around this team is at a fever pitch. What do you do with Rashad Bateman, Zach? I, I think we'll be in agreement with this one where I love Rashad Bateman. I think he's an excellent receiver, like not just like a good receiver. Like I think mm-hmm. he's an excellent receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, in my work with reception perception, I'll steal a little stats over here. It's fine. Um, after the 21 season, he had an 83.1 success rate versus zone coverage, which is very good. 85th percentile. 
And then 72.7 success rate versus man, which puts him in the 74th percentile. And again, this is coming off of his his very first rookie season. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then press, he was great too. To 76.5% versus press coverage. So he's clearing these thresholds as a route runner. He had a very good route tree. And I think he's a number one wide receiver. And I think he started this season showing that a little bit and then it just it got off to just a bad middle part due to injury but i think he dropped too much based off of that like right now he's sitting at wide receiver 30 in consensus that puts him one spot above mike williams gamari cooper um right behind brandon Ayuk, jerry judy pickens deontay Mm. johnson right in that general area Mm. and i i think he deserves to be a little bit higher than that i'm Personally, I'll stick him right. When you're at consensus, you've got Marquise Brown at like 23. I'd put him maybe like one spot ahead of Marquise Brown. Mm. Right in that like... Low end two. Low end two. I prefer him to Christian Watson, George Pickens, probably Jerry Judy too. I think he's just got a higher ceiling than those guys. Yeah, I think that's not... Yeah, I have nothing... I have no qualms with, with that placement given that Christian Watson might not have... A Hall of Fame quarterback throwing him the football next year, given that uh, Pickens is very likely going to be uh, a victim of a low volume passing attack in Pittsburgh. Oh, we'll see. Canada as the offensive coordinator, maybe want to yak. Yeah, brutal. We'll, we'll see what happens if if uh, Pickett can take some steps forward. Um, seems a little bit game manager esque as a as a rookie, but we'll see. You know, time will tell. And there's nothing wrong with being a game manager, but it does hurt. Uh, the value of wide receiver ones in fantasy. So, yeah, I'm definitely thinking with the news of Greg Roman's firing as of this morning, uh, the morning of us recording this podcast, I am definitely more in on Bateman than I was before because I think Greg Roman has a difficult time utilizing elite wide receiver play. I mean, Hollywood Brown was all but wasted. He was all but wasted in Baltimore. And now – It'll be really interesting to see. I, I think you can definitely see a world where I guess I'll, I'll project Lamar coming back. Maybe Lamar can get unlocked I think a little he bit. Does. It's, it seems like team. vibes are good there. He seems like the team has made it very clear they plan on re-signing him. The yeah. coach has said that he's going to be in the conversation for looking for a new OC, which I, I think like is that. super important. Really smart too. to start, yeah, to start get, giving him those kinds of – signs of respect i agree with that um they have the money too they can i think they will bring him back and i think i think the media played up the bad vibes a little bit with that scenario they tend to do that so i think he's back and i agree with you i think it's great for i think that helps both of them i think it helps both of their stock yeah um you know because we've seen just how effective lamar can be in that offense and you know he he takes what's behind door number one and goes to like the jets it could just be an, a, a disaster. I mean, he's Lamar. He's always going to be great. But Bateman uh, getting his guy back that he's already got some chemistry with, that he's already shown he could be pretty successful with, that's, mm-hmm. a, pretty, that's a pretty good formula for, for the Bateman buy train. So that's a little bit easier of a discussion. that We, we don't have much to, to talk about there. I'm, I think we can steamroll through to the next uh, couple of names if you're ready. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll keep this one pretty quick. Cause I don't really have too much of a strong stance on these guys. It's more of like a, 
like a this could really go either way for these two. Yeah. And that's um Tony Pollard and AJ Dillon, who I both see in like a very similar situation. Yeah. Maybe a little different in terms of offenses and like contract stuff. Yeah. But they're kind of that like RB2 on their own team who is electric, clearly proven that they can do some stuff. Yeah. But have someone in front of them. Like you have a Zeke in front of you. You have a AJ, I mean, sorry, Aaron Jones in front of you in Green Bay. So to me, I see two different paths for these running backs. They either go the route of Austin Eckler when Melvin Gordon left and continue their hyper-efficiency, become a top five running back that no one thought was going to be. Like, no one had that high hopes for Eckler, and he's been dominant. Mm -hmm. So, or they can be less efficient when they get more touches. They could be with running backs where like maybe their efficiency was being the RB2 coming mm-hmm. in. And I think I see that a little more for AJ Dillon than I do for I Tony agree. Pollard. I agree. But Zeke's contract makes re-signing Tony Pollard really tough for yeah. the Cowboys. So if he does walk and go to another team, I don't know. Is he going to be used the same? Is he going to be a feature back? Will he be a complimentary back for like a worse team? Could could he sign somewhere where he's less valuable? Or you have the spot with AJ Dillon where more than likely Jones is probably gone after next season when his contract is terminable. But yeah. what does that team look like? Did maybe Dillon gets 24 carries, but the team is not nearly as good. You might be down a Hall of Fame quarterback once again. All Packers players in Dynasty are kind of uh, buy at your own risk right now it's so tough to to project any sort of uh, reasonable uh, confidence in their quarterback position even for this coming year but definitely for the the year following which is like you said jones last year on his deal i believe or, or it becomes terminable after that yeah so i'm super excited to have this conversation because i am an aaron jones truther i absolutely love aaron jones and yeah, I think I think you can confidently say that he's got another year of low end RB one, high end RB two production. I feel confident about that in Green Bay next year. But I don't think Dylan just steps into that role, and I don't think Dylan just steps into that success. I think Dylan needs a big piece ahead of him because he's has a different style. He's a bit of a plotter. He's not. He's somehow actually pretty effective in the. Um, screen game and the receiving he's game which good pass catcher he doesn't yeah. profile this one but sure enough oh, he he's, does it yeah yeah he does it well so that's going to be an interesting um dynamic but i definitely think dylan is a guy that needs a change of pace back near him or ahead of him um so if jones leaves and they don't get in reinforcements and, and he's he's the horse i have less faith i i think he could have maybe a second half of his career comparable to like uh this name is just egregious to even say in the same sentence. So just understand that I'm just saying type, but he could have like a Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb type role on the Packers where they shift their perspective. I mean, you lose a hall of fame quarterback, you have to change the ball. So who knows what, what that will look like. I could see him having success only in that scenario as an RB one. Otherwise I would say that if you could capitalize on Dylan's nice stretch that he had this past season, towards the end of the year, I might do that. But you I might be selling low. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard because, like, there is a chance he steps into a full workload and is really good. And, like, 25, 26, 27 has, like, great years. Yeah. 
but it's risky and it's super so risky, risky for like the offense is going to look like. So if you can sell on the hype of like, he's going to be the future back one year, I'm almost fine with that. Cause you're, you're taking away the risk of him not being a future back. Um, yeah. And I do think I kind of feel the same way with Tony Pollard, where if he doesn't stay in Dallas, he's coming off of like a top 10 fantasy season. Insane year. What a stud Pollard has emerged into this year. I, I'm blown away. I did not foresee I, that. No, and me neither. And I regret not having him anywhere. Same. No shares. But I, I do think if I could sell him as like a top 12 type of back, you like should. if he signs Good somewhere call. else, I'm down for that. I'm on, I'm on board with that. I worry about it. I don't think they're going to get rid of Zeke's contract somehow. And I worry he doesn't stay in Dallas. And that I think that's the best fit for him. And he may go somewhere and have like a good role, but I don't think it'll be the same. I think it'll yeah. jump back to that RB2 area. Yeah. So like if you can move into like a Ramondre area or like totally do it anywhere around that side or like yeah. get like a piece plus or maybe like a, a, a first for him, like a mid tier. I was thinking first, first I- exactly. Um, yeah, because the, the, the promise is there and the results are now there. So Tony Pollard is a very interesting dynasty piece. Um, he would be a really tough, uh, buy for me, but I'm a gambling man. So I would not hate to see somebody throw in a little bit of, uh, throwing a little bones down on Tony Pollard and, uh, and, you know, giving him the reins. Cause you know, if he has the type of a role where he's like, let's just say he has an Aaron Jones type role on another team that's really good and that throws the ball a lot he could be an unbelievable weapon he really Definitely. could and so you know if he stays in dallas it's that's probably i wouldn't say that's his ceiling but i wouldn't say that's his floor we've seen guys go to teams and then just again it's like what they do with tight ends they do it with running backs too they just pay him and then they just don't use him and it's yeah and Austin, or they I do when Austin their efficiency goes down I think Eckler is like the the best case scenario. Like he I agree. Had, was hyper efficient, had Melvin Gordon in front of him. People are like, well, can he do this? And and he could, but that hasn't happened before as well. So it's really a really tough shot. It's a damn high ceiling though. And that's and that's what I'm looking at. So if if you have him, I would sell on the high. And if you don't, I would look to buy on the low. That's that's my that's yeah, my He's just got such a drastic end. I'm not selling him unless I can get a good amount back for him one or a piece plus yeah i, I like that call whereas i'm a little looser with aj Dillon, where i feel like i if i need a piece i'll go move him for so like if, if i can move him for like a bateman since we just talked totally. about him totally I'm gonna with that yeah. yeah i agree um last but not least and uh i'll make this quick as well because we do have some previews to get to some some uh props to get to um i will say that my my two pack is super different from yours because I'm going in the same backfield, but I want to know what you're doing with Vikings running backs. Uh, Dalvin cook as the elder statesman for the running back position at like 28 or whatever, 29. And uh, his running mate who I believe is a free agent after this year, um, Alexander Madison. What are you doing with the two pack there? Yeah, I'm selling them both. If I can really, Um, I don't, think madison is going to be a feature back to be honest with you i don't think if they move away from cook when it comes to age or whatever mm-hmm. that they decide it's madison i think they'll draft somebody or pick mm-hmm. up somebody or something along those lines so if i'm getting value for madison like if if you have like let's say the cook owner wants reassurance for like his older running back i i will get 
whatever I can for him in Dynasty because I I don't think he has like a future the way Dylan or uh, Pollard do. I think he's I could see purely that. a handcuff back. I I'm in on selling Dalvin Cook because he's getting Me older. That, that ledge will hit. Yeah, I'm I'm still not selling him unless I can get something back. Like I'm not I'm not jumping ship on him. You trade a name, you get name value. Absolutely. Yeah. Could not yeah. agree more. Um, and it's funny because I'm glad we talked about AJ Dillon so much because it allowed me to express a little bit of my Aaron Jones takes, which I think Delvin Cook and Aaron Jones are in very similar positions. Yeah. You're probably I think getting this one year, more year of high level play. Probably their last true RB1 to RB2 level, but I'm even more afraid of Cook than I am of Jones. I think Cook's variability next season I is a lot higher. Both could have one more season next year. And I think the Vikings window allows for that a little bit more to where like yeah that's a feather just lead him that's a feather in cook's cap over jones but i think the talent i think the eye test jones still looks like an elite running back like he still looks fantastic with the ball in his hands cook Cook, has lost some of his birth he's lost some juice this year like for sure and and so yeah i'm comfortable saying i would sell cook i'm maybe lukewarm on the on the take with with madison because again door number one you never know if if Madison goes somewhere that's desperate for running back help and becomes the one or even just a used compliment. He could be an interesting piece. He could be an interesting RB three flex type player in fantasy um, as a floor. I mean, yeah, handcuffing is always in the realm of possibilities. You never know when when guys are going to be. But but that's why guys that's why running backs don't get second contracts. And I'm fine selling on the hope of that. Of yeah. someone hoping that that happens, I'll take it because I don't. I'm also fine buying it on the low. I'm also fine throwing a fourth. I can Madison. see it. I said top end. I just, I got it. Just don't think it happens. You know. I mean, you have to they like open him up for he's, trade. He's a good RB. He's been a great real life RB too. Yeah, yeah. I he just does, put him. He does good work. I just put him more in like the. Oh man, I can't even think of a good comp for him. Like. I just put him more in like the Gus Edwards category sure. than I do. Gus was great else. in a handful of I, games. I'd almost year. rather have Gus if I'm gonna be honest, because you could use him. Yeah, but. I don't hate that take. Gus is Gus is uh, uh, he's a pretty exceptional battering ram uh, RB two. So yeah, that's that's I think that's a great place to to finish up our dynasty drip because with that was that was a chat. We're pushing, um, yeah, we're pushing. We're pushing on that. But I'm, ch- I'm we've got a lot of dynasty takes in here. We have to. I mean, and and I think I really, uh, you know, even where we disagreed, I I thought the the chats were fantastic. I'm uh, I'm super jazzed about about uh, the prospects of just getting to continue to bounce these takes off each other and continue to make our teams better and make our listeners' teams better. So that's that's exciting. Me too, man. Well, let's let's hop into this playoff preview then because we do have some games to cover and we've got some we got some really exciting playoff football to get into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as Jacksonville, Kansas City goes, um, what are the chances, in your opinion, that we're looking at? I'm gonna I'm gonna go both ways, but I'm gonna start. What are the chances that we're looking at a boat racing here? Give me a percentage. Low. Low. I like to hear that. I, I don't like... think. I'm happy to hear. I don't that. think the Chiefs just boat race the Jags. Um, I I could see like a a ten to fourteen point win, which would be 
above yeah. the spread of eight and a half points. Yeah. Um, but but a pure boat race, like a 20 plus win, I don't think it's really in the cards. I, I really like yeah. the Jags. The Chiefs defense is not all that. Um right. so even if it's garbage time, I don't think we see a boat race. Okay. Other side of that coin, what are the chances we see an upset? Low as well. <laughs> I I love the Jaguars. All right. And uh I love their offense. I think Doug Peterson's a fantastic coach. But boy, the playoff Chiefs are a, a, a dog. They're, They're a straight animal. animal. They absolutely um, are. They've had the rest. The Jaguars just had to play a, a hell of a game. Yeah. And like a long fought, hard, tooth and nail game. Yeah. And the Chiefs were just sipping cocktails watching them. But that will keep them fresh and that will keep them on their toes. And they're playing with house money. Um, I don't, I'm not going to go out on a limb here and say I think an upset is likely, but I think it's higher than low. I think it's more on the low to medium uh, spectrum. I, I would say, I, get I would it. say 70 30 Chiefs. Um, but that being said, um, you know, we've seen, and people don't want to admit this, we've seen a human side of the Chiefs this year. Yeah. No, we we saw, We've seen some games where they were rough. And I think a lot of it has to do with their lacking of a true go-to wide receiver. I think that the... the one is Kelsey. Well, exactly. But the island of misfit toys that they're trotting out you know, next to him, it's other than really Juju, who's a fine wide receiver three. I mean, who's going to step up? in this game i mean is it going to be the is it going to be the the aria stark nameless faceless chiefs wide receiving core like we've seen or does somebody establish themselves as like a true go-to in 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 this game i mean i I think a healthy juju will be great yeah Um, i think he's more of a two than i think you do i mean he's still young good i think he plays a role um i would really like to see them get Sky more and more involved from a personal standpoint. Sheesh, um, you're telling me. Because I just love him, and I think he's a good wide receiver, and I don't want to see Martez Scott without a scantling anymore. It's tough. It's tough to watch sometimes. I I still think they can just gun at every level. I think McKinnon has become such a good receiving threat for them. That's um, true. That's a good point. He, he will I, be a huge part of this game. I do really like the Jaguars, but I think – Trevor Lawrence is just going to get hit with that. This is a Super Bowl winning quarterback and like watch it on the other side of the field. I don't think it'll be great for his character. I think it'll hit him real hard. Yeah. But I think the Chiefs take this one pretty handedly. Yeah, I, I can dig that. Um, so handedly, but not an upset. So you're thinking between a seven and 10 point win or yeah, not, a, not to, a blowout, I meant. Yeah, seven to 14. I think that you'll get that last four minutes. We're like, well, the Jaguars could win this game if they take it down, score, get the ball back, score again. Yeah, not one like of those. A, not like a teeth grinder where it's like a field goal. I think the big advantage that Jacksonville has is, well, there's two, I would say, but the big one is I think I think Trevor's going to be able to find some some space against uh, yeah. that. De- I think yeah, that secondary is, they're pretty leaky. And the, the wide receivers of, of uh, Jacksonville have been able to create some stuff all year. Um, mm. You know, Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, uh, even Marvin Jones at times. Like, I definitely could see, I definitely could see Jacksonville surprising some people. Um, I'm not bold enough to predict an upset, but I'll predict a cover. I feel pretty. We're I wouldn't say half. Yeah, I, I, I think line. they'll cover. I, I could see. I could see this game being like a. 
like a 30 to 24, 30 to 23 sort of game. You know, I, I uh, that Arrowhead uh, stadium is a whole different beast. It's a hostile and environment. It, and that's a young team as well. And like a, a, not a very playoff friendly team. Yeah. So like going into Arrowhead as your first real playoff game, especially as Trevor Lawrence, like that's going to be that he's not going to know what that feels like. Yeah. But until he's there. But Doug Peterson is a hell of a game manager and he's a hell of a guy to, to be the one to lead to an upset. Um, so that's something that I'm going to be tracking because never forget, we saw Doug Peterson beat Belichick and Brady in a Super Bowl where that's he true. was an underdog. So, you know, with Nick Foles. So he's, he's not one to be counted out. Nick, Nick. And clearly we can't, we can't count out the Jags. They've proven that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, Pick a Jags cover just to be just to be bold roast, just to give our listeners some uh, pep in their step, pep in their some, some some espresso in their coffee. I'm with it. Well, let's uh let's hop on to the next one, which I think is silly that the spread is actually less on this one. Um, but the Giants Eagles have a spread of seven and a half points for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think that's silly. I think you think it's too low. Yeah, I think the Eagles are just as much better of a team than the Giants than the Chiefs are the Jaguars. I think this is a respect thing for how the Giants have taken care of business, especially last week. I think they didn't take care of business against the Eagles when they played them. Yeah, that's true. I think there's something to be said for the love that Brian Dable's getting in the coach of the year conversation. I think yeah, that he's fantastic. And you you know I, I've brought it up on this show and, and I'll bring it up until I'm blue in the face. Uh, the wide receivers for the Giants are absolutely underappreciated and they get they get absolutely dragged. They t- people talk about the talent disparity all the time. It's true. I'm not trying to like say like that these guys are a bunch of freak athletes or whatever, but there's something to be said for heart. The Giants receivers play with a lot of heart. All three of them. All three of the ones that I like, Slayton, Richie James, and Isaiah Hodgins. That might be our biggest discourse. I'm a huge Isaiah Hodgins fan. I think he's yeah, yeah, I think he's yeah. gonna I think he's gonna be I a have great no disrespect towards the man. I just think he's a wide receiver three. Okay, okay, uh, okay, I can dig that. I, 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 I think in the past I think you maybe might have said a little worse. I'm glad that you're possible. saying I, I <laughs> I'm it's glad that possible. you're saying I'm glad that you're I, saying I still think he will disappear after this season. But so. I'd be I'd be happy if he didn't. I don't have any ill will. Uh, I do think this game could be a boat race. I don't think as much heart as they have. The Eagles secondary is great. That's like, true. great, great, great. Yeah. And their pass rush is great. Yeah. Their offense is great. Hurts is there. Great against the run. So if the no. Giants have a path, they're gonna have to ride dimes and quads to a bunch of yards on the ground. They need to create chunk plays. They need to do misdirections. And when they decide to dial it up, they need to be smart about it. It has to be a schemed Brock Purdy-esque shot down the field. You know what I mean? They have to get smart yeah. if they want to. I just don't think it ha- I think the Vikings almost did the Giants a disservice last week by having such a bad defense. Yeah. That they may get baited into being like, oh, we can roll like that. Yeah, and then play against the Eagles' defense, and it's not going to be the same. You think they might lean on their passing game a little too much? Given I think that they might get so well. Yeah, I think they might get a little cocky with it, and those receivers might be like, "Yeah, I was just torching dudes last week," and then yeah. go up against second, like 
cornerbacks that actually know how to do their job and they will hey, not be able to do that duke shelley did nothing to you man he does you no, don't have duke, to i'm still I'm a duke kidding. fan i I'm i think duke shelley played a great game um, um you know yeah. i i do think this one could be boat raced i don't mind 10 plus point H- higher points. likelihood of a boat racing I'll, I'll agree with that i think also higher likelihood of a game that i i, I would be i would i would be less surprised if the Eagles had to come back against the Giants than if the Chiefs had to come back against the Jags, just because they're so well coached and they run the ball so well and their defense is so scrappy. I don't see it happening, but I it's weird because like the screws are a little bit tighter on this matchup than they are on that matchup in certain ways, because I think the Jags path to winning is stealing the ball in crazy ways and airing it out. And I think that the Giants path to winning is the exact opposite. Yeah. I think if they play ball control football and can get Hurts off the field a couple times, just like by sheer luck, <laughs> I think the Giants have a shot. But yeah, I think I, I don't want to sound too risque. I don't want to be too bold, Rose, but I, I would pick the Giants to cover that spread as well. And I am not with you. I'll on go that cover one. for both. I'll go cover for both games. Yeah. You I, like I, the upset picks, but I'm not. I, usually, I don't think I can be in on this. Look, we're not picking money lines. These are over touchdown games in the playoffs, man. It's the NFL playoffs. It, it's it's no, always I get close. You. I do like tight. it. I would like to point out that when they played each other in week 14, they won 48 to 22. Yeah. And everybody was healthy. That game was atrocious. Was not, and I think that's very possible. What about earlier in game. the season? Their last game was week 18. So it was week 18, week 14. And oh, week 18, was, they still beat them 22 to 16 without their starters playing. Okay. 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 Yeah. There's enough, there's enough there that, that I, I can give you that, that it, it, it's unlikely. I'll stick with my pick just to, just for the sake of bold roast. And, and I like a little stakes. I like a little adversity. Um, Let's get to the hot topic one. Yeah. Let's get to the, this one. let's get to the marquee matchup. So we've um, got the Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills, which you're going to disagree on me here, but after looking into that a little bit more, I think it's a bit bogus that they're not playing on a neutral field. Yeah. Because I mean, if the I, Bengals won that game, this would be in Cincinnati. Yeah. And that rubs me the wrong way. That- I understand where you're coming from. I think it's a perfectly reasonable take. And I've heard the Bengals fans for weeks, uh, you know, get everything off their chest that they need to, which you know, I'm, I'm trying to give grace because of how much grace the organization and the players and Zach Taylor gave the Bills in that situation. And really, a lot of people were giving grace to each other. I don't think anybody wanted to continue that game. So, no, I, I don't think. But I understand the point that you're trying to make. Um, I will say they played an even number of games. They played an equal number of games and Buffalo had more wins. Yeah, you know, so, I get it. But it, to have the the Bengals and Chiefs play on a neutral field because if the Chiefs if the if the Bengals would have won that game, it would have been in Cincinnati rather than in Arrowhead. That feels like the same reasoning to me. It's like if they won that game, this would have been in Cincinnati, and that's the same reasoning for the Bills. But the Bills the Bills got that benefit of the doubt for the AFC Championship game because they had a better winning percentage than Kansas City, or. Yeah, or or they would have had they played every game. 
it, it's really tricky. There's so many. He's right on a fine line, but I'm like, just play it in a neutral field. Then I don't think there's a fair way to do it, and I don't disagree with you there. I mean, yeah, it, it it's definitely tough. It's a tough pill to swallow, given that they lost an entire game of their season and they lost the chance to fight for the two seed or or the one seed. Mm-hmm. All three teams had. I mean, Buffalo had the best chance. Kansas City had the second best chance, and Cincinnati had the third. But all three teams were still in play for the one seed at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely unfortunate, but you know we don't have to get too into yeah. that because here we are. We're you yeah. know it's five in and Buffalo. Half point spread. Uh, Bills Way too rich for my blood. Favorite. Unbelievable. This should be a three point spread. Three point spread. Two and I, a half I, to three point is like the sweet spot. Two and a half, I think, would be maybe a little too much of a swing back in the other way. But I think, I think. I, I think betting on a field goal would be risky in this game. <laughs> Yo, absolutely. Um, I saw over under forty and a half points. Forty eight. I'm and taking a half smashing points. the over for fun. I'm smashing the over. Um, yeah, let's talk about this game, Zach, because uh, you and I, you know, you know how much I love my Buffalo Bills, and uh, you know anybody who listens to this podcast knows how much I love the Buffalo Bills, and I'm not afraid to admit it. And um, I've done my best to keep bias out of my takes and opinions and i think for the for the record you know i i get on josh you've had to reel me in on my on my josh hate at times when he turns the ball over and by hate i mean criticism i should say because i would never say hate about that beautiful man but that being said you are the deciding factor here of the pod because the listeners know where i'm gonna go and i'm eager to tell you why um i've had buffalo on my super bowl bracket for this year since uh right after 13 seconds Right Shock. after right after last year, I, I said, it's next year, it's fine. Um, and they've done nothing to dissuade me from that. Um, they've only proven further how much, uh, how depth they are at overcoming adversity. You, my good friend, have sent me two separate brackets. And you've had one with the Bills winning the Super Bowl and one with the Bengals winning the Super Bowl. So No, no, I think, I think the Bengals when I had the 49ers, didn't I? Oh, you're right, you did. You had the Bengals losing in the Super Bowl or maybe losing in the championship. Somewhere but, along there. They but you now but the second bracket you sent me had Buffalo winning the Super Bowl. So so Zach, once and for all, we're on the pod now. You can't hide. You can't run. Tell tell us who you're picking in this game and why. I I mean I have a, have a gonna have a tough time picking this game. It's tough. Um, it, it's so hard, dude. I want to say that I'm gonna pick the Bills because I think they have just something to prove. Um I think they're also a phenomenal team. I think mm-hmm. these teams are very similar in talent. I agree. Um, I think it's going to come down to a lot of the Bills having a secondary pass catcher that's not Stephon Diggs step yeah. up. I think when they struggle with that, when Gabe Davis goes quiet, when Isaiah McKenzie does nothing, when Knox is not so hot, um, they will struggle with a team like the Bengals who has a good secondary yeah. and a good defense and an electric offense. They have every facet you need. Um, and the, the Bills are going to struggle with Higgins and Chase. So I think it's going to come down to that if the Bills can have that secondary outlet because I do think they're going to have to grind a little bit against the Bengals' defense. Um, and if they can get someone to step up, like if they can get a good playoff caliber game from Gabe Davis or McKenzie or – cook or whoever you want it to be maybe a Knox game that's fine but they need someone to take that weight off of dick's shoulders yeah. otherwise i do think the Bengals can come and win this game if they mm-hmm. if they stack digs and then man coverage everybody else and no one steps up 
I'm not sure the Bills can outgun the Bengals throughout the game. Yeah, I think that's a super fair uh, bit of analysis. I, I absolutely agree with every take. Um, I think there's something to be said for uh, Davis did really step up last week. Um, mm-hmm. Five for one sixty-eight was it? That's that seems rich, but it was. It, he had a lot of. He had one sixty-eight. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was five for maybe it's little maybe it was one eighteen or something like that. He had five catches over a hundred yards and a touchdown, and and he was pretty clutch in that game. Um, Diggs absolutely did what Diggs does. Um, and I project him to do that against Cincinnati as well, given that either he's going to be bracketed, which they can't do forever if Buffalo runs the ball or Mm -hmm. he'll be covered by Eli Apple, which Eli Apple will be burnt toast. I promise Gabe against the Dolphins was four for 56. That must have been in the regular season. Last week he had over 100 yards. Oh, that is the regular season. Yeah, I was going to say he definitely he had a great game against Miami last week. Yeah, he has week touchdown. I'm so sorry. No I'll worries, no worries. Um, but so so it'll be interesting to see how that. Yeah, if they can bracket Diggs to try to take him out of the game, Devin Singletary has been great all year, and I definitely could see Buffalo running the ball on this team a little bit if they can get Hendrickson and Reader. And, and Hubbard, if they can get them to be a little more aggressive and, and pinning their ears back, I think there's going to be lanes for uh, Devin Singletary and James Cook to just squirt right through all game. I think it's absolutely in the realm of possibilities that this becomes a Buffalo rushing game, which we've had all year, kind of. We've kind of randomly had these games, like a handful, where uh, Buffalo leans on the running game. And that includes Josh. You know, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm currently betting the under – for rushing yards, but that's only because 45 is so high in a game yep. where you're facing Eli Apple. I mean, I could definitely see Josh uncorking a couple and and, and all hey, that. But don't don't sleep on this Bengals secondary because oh, absolutely not. Eli Apple or Just not, Apple. they've been balling. Just Apple, yeah. Well, when you said they have a great secondary, I envisioned uh Jesse Bates throwing out his back from carrying that statement. Yeah, that's he is really the only like, the- big name. The piece for the second. But game. these players are not playing like they played last year. It's the same names, yes, yeah. but they're not playing the same as they they're, did last year. They're a little better, but uh, I don't know if you saw that play where Robinson took Apple's lunch money last round. But I'm sorry, but I don't. I think Buffalo has four wide receivers better than Demarcus Robinson, so yeah. I'm a little terrified for for his safety in this game. Um, that being said. I think the Bengals defensive coordinator is probably going to see how Miami had Josh so rattled and how they simulated pressure at times and how they actually put pressure on him and what they did. And I think we are going to have to see Josh be composed and we're going to have to see Josh uh, throw the ball where he's supposed to throw it. And uh, I don't want to see hero ball Josh Allen unless it's the fourth quarter and we need him. I want composed. I think it's going to be just a, close close gut race game it's tough if if i had to give the bills an edge outside of i think the the two quarterbacks are two and three for me so i would say josh has a little bit of an edge over burrow but that's it's splitting hairs if i had to give the bills a concrete edge in this game i think i would take buffalo's defensive line of ed oliver and daquan jones and greg rousseau and Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa, I I project them to manhandle the, the offensive front of Cincinnati. I don't three they're missing three starters, Zach. That's 60% of their starting offensive line in a divisional round. And 
it would feel a lot sweeter saying that if Von Miller was had both ACLs. He doesn't. He does not have both ACLs. He has one ACL currently, so that doesn't matter. Von Miller's not coming through those doors. But Greg Rousseau has been fantastic this year. AJ Epinesa has been, you know, quietly having a great season. Uh, Ed Oliver's an animal, and I, I just I foresee I foresee Buffalo giving Burrow a hard time. I really do. Yeah, and we saw that in the Super Bowl last year with the Rams. They gave him a very very hard time. I think those are good two X factors. I think the Bills need someone to step up in the secondary, and the Bengals' O line has to hold up, otherwise they won't win that game. So, yeah. I I'll take uh, I'll take Buffalo to cover um, because I have to. It's um, it's in the contract. It's in the Bills Mafia contract that we signed with blood right before we get thrown through our first table. Um, so I have to take them, but uh, I respect I- whatever choice you make. Yeah, I think five and a half is too rich for me. I think this could be a one to five point game pretty easily. Uh, so I'll, I'll take the Bengals to cover. Um, but of, officially, I will pick the Bills to take the money line. Sweeter sweeter words have never been spoken, Zach. All right, last matchup of the night before we get some well-needed shut-eye on this long episode. Seriously. Um, we've got the Cowboys versus the 49ers. 49ers are four-point favorites with a over-under of 46 points coming off of the 49ers just routing the Seahawks and then the Cowboys just routing the Buccaneers. Um, so lovely. Two, yeah. two good, great teams, um, but just so different teams. The Cowboys are so hot and cold. Their defense was phenomenal, and then it kind of went down, and then it's back up. Whereas the 49ers are just as rock steady as you get. Their defense doesn't flinch. Their offense tends to just click on. Um, and when that when it click clicks, it's unstoppable. And then the Cowboys offense has all the tools you possibly need to do the same thing. And sometimes they're hot. Sometimes they're not. Yeah. I'm not sure if I could have said it better myself, Zach. I uh, On the 30 Minutes of Football podcast with Legit Football, I likened this game to a rock and hard place. Because you have the unbelievable, weighty, lofty expectations of Dallas every year, and they become choke artists. And they're the the unfortunately they're the front page meme of every NFL playoffs, talking about choking and big losses and and all that. And I'm not sure when the last time they've been to an NFC Championship game was. I don't even know if Romo ever made it that far, which is just blasphemous, given how talented some of those rosters were. And then you have the process you have the rookie quarterback seventh round pick mr irrelevant you have brock sturdy coming in and doing what he does and it really feels like kyle shanahan has created organizational stability uh, like that we haven't known like two you know several nfc championship games super bowl a couple years ago like the 49ers with a seventh round quarterback haven't missed a beat if anything they've looked better and maybe Brock Purdy is special. I think it's safe to say he he's at least great. He might be special. But what but what we have here is an unbelievable amount of stakes because the 49ers are at the end of most brackets on the NFC. It's them or the Eagles. It's a coin flip. Yep. And Dallas. They're in mine at the end. And da- yeah. And Dallas is the butt of every joke. And Dallas can get a significant amount of pressure off their shoulders. Mike McCarthy could probably continue to coast on this job for another couple of years if they win this game. But if they lose this game, 
Dallas has to take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror. I mean, when when are they going to be more than than what than what we think they are? You know. And and to answer your playoff drought question, the last time they appeared in a conference championship game was 1995. That's that just feels so insane to me, given the talent we've seen on those teams. It's well, I mean, they've had it, all of the talent in the world. It's organizational instability. It's it's Jerry Jones doing what Jerry Jones does and making head coaching hires with all due respect, like Mike McCarthy. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mike McCarthy uh, is not my favorite head coach either. It, it's just funny looking at this game and looking at the playoffs in general at this point because I'm staring down six NFL teams who have found their franchise quarterback. Bengals, Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, Jaguars, easy Maybe the Eagles have some – there are people that don't believe in Hurts. Fine, whatever. But they found it right now. Yeah. And then the Giants are a little iffy with Daniel Jones, but yeah. he's definitely good enough for what yeah. he's playing right now. You can you can, you can can put him on that on that bottom of that list for now. And then Burrow, you got no problem. Josh Allen, great. Mahomes, great. And then every year it's the 49ers with some Joe Schmo running this offensive system. And they do and the same I, thing with – they do the same thing with running backs too. It's 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 again. It's Arya Stark. It's nameless and it's faceless, and they well, manage to do it. Not now. I mean, now it's Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> that's true. That's true with running back. Yeah, but but with quarterback and Brock Purdy. Jim- and I I don't believe Brock Purdy is great. I think he's made some goofy decisions. I think he's I think he's good. I think he's better for what they need than Jimmy Garoppolo was. But I don't think he's a that much better of a quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, but to even, but to even be in that conversation, but to even be having that conversation about whether or not he's better than a whatever seven-year veteran in the NFL who's, you know, known for taking a yeah. team to the Super Bowl and for going it's undefeated impressive. in New England, it's so impressive. And you did uh, leave out the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys. I think you could say Dak is a franchise quarterback. You no, say, I, I, I put Dak in there. Oh, yeah. you did. Okay, I, yeah. yeah, I'm not a Dak hater. Don't you worry. I think he's a franchise quarterback. I'm not a Dak lover, but I'm not a Dak hater. But I still. I'm taking the 49ers to cover. I think they cover Me four too. points. Me too. I think they win by a touchdown. Yeah. And all that being said. Their defense is so good. Their running yeah. scheme is so good. Purdy yeah. is Purdy is doing everything he needs to do. And yeah. he's not making he's making mistakes, but he's not making devastating mistakes. He's no. not throwing pick sixes. He's not trying to be a like a hero the last yeah. second. And I, I think the 49ers can take it. And God, I really wish we could have got to see Trey Lance here. I know. I, I mean, but who's to say if they would be in the position that they're in if they had Trey Lance all year? I'm not saying they, they wouldn't. absolutely would be. Because if he sucked, you know who would have came in? Brock Purdy. <laughs> yeah, I get that. That's a fair point. I, it's just, yeah, because they're too good. That team, that there's too much talent. There's too much organizational stability. There's too much success with schemes. Yeah, I, I'm also, for the first time, we're in agreement on our spread pick. Um, I think we have similar game picks, but I think this is the first time when we're, I'm picking the SF to, to cover the spread. And yeah, I would say look for um, Debo to have a big game. Um, I don't know if it's all going to be through the air, but I think he's going to. I'd gonna, like him to get a lot of rushing. I think he's going to have actually. have a good game. Do we want to breeze through our props just so we leave the yeah, people no, with something to. No explanation needed here. Yeah, we're, we're just going through. I'll say mine um, real quick. We both were trash. And we both went two for five. So yeah, five, why so, not? So maybe don't listen to these, but we're gonna say them anyway. Um, I'm gonna take the over on Jalen Hurts passing yards. 
I'm going to take the over. Oh, that's 245 and a half. Or 244 and a half. I'm going to take the over on one and a half passing touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to take the under on 275.5 passing yards for Joe Burrow. I'm going to take the under on 44.5 rushing yards for Josh Allen. And I'm going to take the over. Oh, sorry, the under. I had three unders this week. You, you, you know, give me my flowers, Zach. I'm going to take like the it. under on. I have five overs in case you're curious. Oh, geez. Look at that. We, we hey, who, who's who on this podcast? Am I right? I know. Parent Trap. Or no, uh, Freaky Friday. Um, Christian Kirk. Under five and a half receptions. Zach, give us your give us your picks and we'll let the people go to bed. Yeah, now I'm shaky because I don't have an under on here, but we, it's too late. Um, I have the Pacheco over seven and a half receiving yards. I have Dak over 13 and a half rushing yards. I'm taking Joe Burrow over 279 and a half passing yards. Um, Saquon over 25 and a half receiving yards. And I'm doubling up on with you with Trevor Lawrence over one and a half passing passing touchdowns i love it if you guys need an extra line because we we do we we duplicated tyler bass two and a half extra points take the over buffalo's gonna score three touchdowns i don't mind that either i'm yeah. moderately confident in that we'll take that anyways coffee shop football man what an episode today dynasty drip divisional drip it's been a pleasure dude it's i been, love it it's been an, an awesome. hour and 20 minutes but i enjoyed every single second of it same it, dynasty playoff two of my favorite things so it doesn't get better yeah, appreciate you guys for checking it out. Hit up the Buffalo Trill. Hit up uh, Zachic underscore FF and show some love, man. We, uh, we're we getting ready to really, really launch this thing into the stratosphere. So, Absolutely. We appreciate everybody for listening, and we will see you all next week. Peace. Go Bills.